life, never does the journey there ever look like we imagined. Yeah. It, it never really does. I know a lot of us in here are at a different stage of life where we can look back and say that and go, well, that's true. And uh, we praise the Lord for it. And uh, one friend of ours, his wife, said, uh, you know, I, when, I, when I started out, I... I I didn't think the the story of my life and so many. I'm trying to remember how she says. I didn't think the story of my life was going to look like it did. But she said I couldn't have written a better book. And boy, isn't that isn't that true? And you know, the journey to where God wants us is uh, can be confusing at times, to say the least. You know, I got saved at 27. I surrendered to preach around 36 years of age. Uh, we joined <clears throat> Brian Baptist Church in Springfield. I thought I was going to go there and just spend a little bit of time, a short period of time, uh, you know, finishing up a few things in the Bible Institute, getting a couple things finished up. I brought in a, my transcripts from my college like 25 years earlier or 20 years earlier at the time. And I thought, that, you know, we'll just, just tidy up some stuff, you know. And uh, if any of you uh, know uh, a pastor there... Um, yeah, he doesn't always do things like you think either. And uh, finally, I said, "Hey, uh, brother, you know, you know, what, what do you want me to do? I mean, what what classes do I need to take?" And he says, "I want you to redo everything." You're talking like four years crammed into six, you know. And I'm like, I said, "Okay, I trust God. I mean, I'm, you know, I, okay." And uh, so, what I thought would be like a year, and psh, off we go. There's six years. Almost six years there. And uh, I look back now and I think this was of the Lord. There's so many things I didn't know. So many things I thought I knew I didn't know. There's still things I wish I was just still there because I'm like, I still don't know anything. And maybe I should have stayed another six years. <laughs> and, uh, but I'm telling you, with the way God works, it's not like we always expect. It didn't make sense to me. It really didn't. But it was God's plan. I me and a friend of mine would sit on our couch. They'd come over to our house all the time. And they're in Oregon now. Past, he's pastoring in Oregon. But he would, he'd come over and we're, we're like... We were pals, man. I made the mistake one night. I said, hey, one night after church, it was like Sunday night. We all went to work Monday. I said, hey, why don't you all come over? Okay. I'm kind of joking. Well, they drove 40 minutes out to Marionville, and they stayed to what, 2 in the morning? I mean, they would. It, we had to, I was like, okay, I got to go to bed, man. This is great. And, uh, but, boy, we'd sit on the couch and just think, man, our wheels are just turning. We're not going it. You know, it's just, we're in our, it's like 40 is here and gone. I mean, it's like, what is going on? And, uh it just didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. But it was all in the plan of God. It absolutely was. I think of the ministry coming here to this church and how God brought us here and an unmistakable hand of God when we said yes to God and coming here. And I don't, I don't doubt that. I, I, I feel sorry for people who say they don't have a calling. They're just going to go out and do something. Oh, friend, you need a calling. You need, a, you, have, you need to have a stake you put in the ground where you know God told you to do something. Because when there comes times that you might want to quit, you can look back and say, no, I can't because God called me here. And obviously, if he called me here, he hasn't called me to leave. So uh, I, I think we'll just stick around. Boy, is it powerful to have that. And he brought us here. And the ideas that I thought I would have of how things would go, well, Brother Allen, this wasn't it. <laughs> Allen's like, yeah, I wouldn't think of that either. No, it wasn't it at all, you know. Can, can I tell you, the only thing that happened like I expected it to happen was I was pastor. That's about it. That's about the only thing that's happened like I thought. 
It's not when I thought, not what I thought. I mean, I look it over. It's not the growth that I thought. It's actually been the opposite of that sometimes. I mean, people have come, people have gone. Uh, it has been up, it has been down. I mean, but when uh, some of you who have pastored and you started out young, I mean, you had these eyes of grandeur. I mean, this was just, uh, buddy, when I show up, it's taken off. And it didn't. It was just, right? They're like scattering, right? I'm like, just try to preach the book, you know? Yeah. But nothing like I imagined. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. And uh, so many things didn't make sense. And still, sometimes they don't, still don't make sense, right? Can I tell you in our text tonight, Joseph kind of in the same boat. When Joseph had his dream as a young boy and he came to his family and he made, told them about it, right? They didn't like it. And uh, he told them about their dream. Really what he was seeing from one mountaintop to the next. But he didn't see the valleys in between the mountaintops. He couldn't see what was going to happen between the, the, where he was as a boy to when he was actually going to be exactly where God said he was going to be. In, in our text tonight, Joseph is going to go through some valleys that are going to prepare him for the challenges of his reign as second in command over Egypt. God gave Joseph these dreams, but there had to be a proving time. There had to be a refining process before he could get where God wanted him. And, and it was in these valleys, we're going to see Joseph's stamina, we're going to see his strength. But it's here in the valleys that we're going to see uh, here that Joseph is going to suffer. And he is going to suffer. Remember what the Apostle Paul told Anna, or I'm sorry, what God, what Lord Jesus told Ananias when he said, Paul got saved and you're going to baptize him? He said, I've chosen him to suffer many things for my sake. Yeah. And Joseph is going to suffer here. Yeah. He's going to suffer. Watch. He is going to suffer so others don't have to when the famine comes. He is, going, he is going to experience loss so that others can experience gain. He's going to be in bondage so that others might live in freedom. Boy, it kind of, it kind of sounds real similar to the Lord Jesus Christ, doesn't it? There's some great uh, uh, typologies, a little, uh, some typologies there. But listen, this is the way of all of God's servants. Suffering. It really is. But see, unlike the suffering of the world, all of God's suffering has a purpose. And He has a purpose to use us. But here's the question. What do you do in the meantime? What do you do while you are in your valley? What do you do when you're waiting on God? And if you look at Genesis chapter 40 tonight, Brother Jim read Genesis chapter 39. I want to see what, what, uh, what Joseph did when life didn't make sense. What did he do when it's just when it's like, I don't get this. This is not what I expected. This is not where I thought I would be. Well, now what do I do? Now what do I do? Yeah. Anybody there tonight? Yeah. Well, the first thing I notice here in chapter 39, what Brother Jim read is we see that Joseph was wronged. He was done wrong. Yeah. Better get used to it. Some of you, you've been on the planet long enough, you've been wronged. Absolutely. That never, it, listen, I don't care how it comes or who it comes from, it, 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 never, it is never something that you go, oh, well. Oh well. Yeah. No. It's deep at times. 
It's deep. Joseph had been sold, already been sold into Egypt by his brothers. He comes into Egypt. He is owned now by Potiphar. He's working for Potiphar, who is one of the officers of Pharaoh. He's way up there. And wouldn't you know it, we know how it goes. He's working. He's minding his business. He's just working away. And here comes this wife of Potiphar. The Bible says, cast his, her eyes upon him and says, lie with me. And he goes, how can I do this great sin against God? What a response by Joseph. I love that response by him. And uh, you can see it here in chapter 39. Look at verse seven. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. And she said, lie with me. But he refused And he said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin? Who? Against who? Against God. Boy, that that, that showed where his relationship was. Absolutely. He says, I'm not going to do it. And he refused and she came after him. Do you not think Potiphar's wife might have been attractive to Joseph? Come on. I mean, you know, it wasn't Aunt Hilda here. (laughs) If you have a really, really attractive Aunt Hilda, I'm sorry. It's just the name that came to my mind, okay? Does anybody have an Aunt Hilda? I hope not. Oh, man, she's like, come on, Joseph, come on, come on. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says here that, look at verse 10, and it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day. She was relentless. Oh, this is how Satan works, isn't it? He is relentless. Some of you, that temptation that you, that is, that you, that you, uh, that has you, it's relentless. It's day after day. It's moment after moment at times. It never lets up. And what Joseph did, which is what we all should do, is just run. He absolutely ran away. The Bible tells us to flee Satan. You know, resist, resist the devil. He will flee from you. We are to just resist and to run. And what he did was he left his coat behind. Of course, she used it against him and said, see what this Hebrew did? Yeah. You know, this is the second time that Joseph's garment was used to deceive someone. The first one was that coat of many colors. And this one is whatever it was that he was wearing, Right. He left that one behind. It was obviously some type of an overcoat, but it was, it was used to deceive somebody, to deceive Potiphar. And Potiphar, it says he was angry. I'm not convinced he was fully angry at Joseph, but he was angry enough to throw him into prison. Uh, he may have had to have done something there, right? And uh, here Joseph is lying in prison, sitting in prison. And now think about this. For the last 10 to 11 years, when you come to this point, 10 to 11 years, Joseph has been sold into slavery. He has been sold into the home of a government official. He has been lied about, and now he is in prison. There was no trial. There was no sentence. There was no date of freedom to look forward to. Right? Joseph is in a prison without any idea of if or when he will get out. I don't know, I don't know if you can get lower than where Joseph is. And none of it was his fault. No, being in Egypt, I mean, all, I mean from, from the very beginning, none of it was his fault. I mean, we could justify it when, you know, sometimes we do really dumb stuff and we get ourselves into some really stupid problems and we go, well, I deserve it, right? Joseph is not a thing that he deserved here, right? He's been wronged. He's been wronged. And you know what? He's at a place in life where none of it makes sense. 
God, you showed me the dream. God, this... I don't get this because the dream was uh, the, the, the sheaves are going to be bowing down to me. My father is going to be bowing down to me. My brothers are going to be bowing down to me. None of this makes sense. And his dreams may be a faint memory at this time. But the likelihood of getting out of prison as a Jew in this Egyptian prison is probably almost non-existent. He's been wronged. And you're going to be wronged in life. And it's not going to make sense. You notice what he does next, though? Look at chapter 39. Look at verses 21 through 23. He's been wrong, but notice what he does in the midst of the wronging. Look at verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all that the prisoners, I'm sorry, all the prisoners that were in the prison and whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. What did Joseph do while he was wrong? What did he do when life didn't make sense? What did he do when it looked like the dreams were never going to come true of what he was shown? You know what he did? He just worked. He just worked at his, let me say this, he worked at his secular job. Well, he doesn't have a ministry here? No. He's he's just in prison. Right? Kind of like tracker boat, right? It's kind of like he's just going to prison every night, right? I'm telling you, your, your hours, brother, that's prison to me. I don't know how you do it. Yeah. Going into the office feels like prison, right? No, he's just working, man. He's just doing his job. Joseph became the one in charge of all of the prisoners there in verse 22. And also in verse 22, you can see it here again. He become the, he became the one who was responsible for all of the activities there in the prison. In verse 23, Joseph was trusted by his bosses who were over him in the prison. And it says here, because God was prospering him. Wait a minute, over his bosses? Yeah, but wait, he's a prisoner himself. He's a prisoner himself. But watch, he had such a thing away about him. Even when life didn't make sense, what did he do? He just did what he was supposed to do. He, was just, he just did what was before him. And you know what happened? God elevated him. God gave him favor. God prospered him. While he was waiting in his valley, while there was no evidence at all of, 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 of a man languishing away, Right When there's no evidence that he was going to ever get out of that, he just worked and did what he was supposed to do. You know what so many of us do today when we get into a situation like that? We get into a prison like that. We get into a place that doesn't make sense and it wasn't even our fault. You know what happens? People just get depressed. They just start calling into work. Right? I just, they, they don't even go to work. They stay home from church. Uh, can I tell you this? One of the worst things to do when you're depressed is to stay home from church. I, listen, I don't know how many times I have come to church and not a bad, in, in a, I'm sorry, in, a, in not a good mood and in kind of a bad mood. I can't I remember a time when I haven't left in a good mood. 
I'm telling you, you need to be around the family of God. There's nothing better. There's nothing more encouraging. There's nothing more uh, helpful than that. So many people, they'll, they'll check out. They'll check out of work. They'll check out of life. They'll check out of church. They'll get lost in their a- uh, alcohol. They'll begin meditating with food or vice and all sorts of different things. You see Joseph here, he watched this over and over again. He was trusted by his father. He was trusted by Potiphar. Now he's trusted by the keeper of the prison. No matter where God put Joseph, he ended up excelling at everything that he put his hand to. It reminds me of the godly man in Psalm 1 where it says, Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Why? Because he's a godly man. Joseph was a godly man. What was the evidence of it? Well, look at this. God was with him even when life didn't make sense. For so many people, God is just a fire escape. God's an EBT card. He's a welfare check. He's a, he, he's a, when things are going well, I'm here. When they're going bad, I'm out. Not Joseph. Not at all. See, if you're in a, if, if you're in a place where, where Joseph was, if you're there tonight, you know, this is what you're supposed to do while you're living in the valley. Just continue to do the work that God gave you to do. Just continue to do what God told you to do. Just go to work, fix the car, maintenance the house, right? Mow the yard, feed the dog, kick the cat, whatever you're supposed to do. Just do it, right? Just do what God told you to do. Did I say kick the cat? Oh, man, that must have been of the Spirit because that just came out of my mouth. No, listen, if you're in a valley tonight that doesn't make sense, just do the work that you're supposed to do. Just do it. You know, it might change the way you do it if you realize that God put you there on a purpose and you trust Him. The drudgery of it might go away. I had a friend of mine, I was telling him, and uh, when God began to deal with me about preaching, I remember telling the Lord, I'm really happy where I'm at, Lord. I, I like my job. I like my trade. I like everything. I li- I, I'm really good where I'm at. I'm happy. I'm fine. Thank you very much. And a friend of mine said, you know what? When I got to that place in my life is when God called me. He said, I hated my job. He worked at Love Box Company up in Kansas City. He said, I ever around St. Joe. He said, I hated it. Hated my job. Hated it. He said, one time, I, he goes, one day I just determined, you know what? God gave me this job. I'm just going to go in and enjoy it. He said, all of a sudden I started loving my job. You know, he said, you know what happened? God called us into a ministry after that. And he says, it wasn't until I just loved where I, God put me in the first place did God bring me out of that and do something else with me? Hey, maybe you are where you are tonight because God's wanting you just to, just to love the valley for a little while. And when you love, once you come to the place of learning to love the valley, He, he can kind of go ahead and bring you out and do, do what He really wants with you. Yeah. Maybe you need to come to learn to love the refining process. I know it's hard. If you're in a valley tonight and things don't make sense, just do what God's called you to do. And know this, the purpose will come eventually. It absolutely will. Joseph worked his secular job. Notice what else he did. Look at in chapter 40. Look at verses 5 through 8. Joseph witnessed. No, he had a secular job, but Joseph didn't stop the spiritual job either. In Joseph's life, no matter what situation he was in, God was the center of his life. One day the Pharaoh was mad, remember, with the butler and the baker. Don't say it. And uh, he threw him into prison. Yeah. 
the candlestick maker. I can't help it. Amen. My goodness. What is with that? It rhymes so well. Well, he threw the butler and the baker into prison. He threw them into the prison that Joseph was, was in charge of until he could decide what to do with them. And while they were in prison, the Bible says the keeper of the prison put Joseph directly in charge of them and Joseph served them. Well, one morning he went in to serve them and he came to check on them and he noticed they were sad. They were sad. Look at verse 5, and they dreamed a dream, both of them, each man his dream, each one a night, each man according to the interpretation of the dream, the butler and baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound in the prison. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? No, they both had dreamed a dream and didn't know what the dreams meant. They were sad. Would you notice verse 6? Look what Joseph says here. And, uh, verses 6 through 8, I read that. Why are you so sad? Look at verse 8. And he said unto them, We have dreamed a dream and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them me, I pray you. Did you see that? Do not interpretations belong to God. No, Joseph could have taken the credit. He could have quieted down and said, go ahead and just tell me. And let me see if I can figure them out. I'm, I'm pretty good at this. Let me see. I've had a couple dreams. Not going so well because this hasn't come. He didn't tell them. No, I'm not going to. Don't tell them that. Don't tell them that. But uh, just go ahead and tell me. I'll let you know what they are. He could have taken credit, especially in that culture, especially in that Egyptian culture. But watch, he directed them to the living God of Israel. While Joseph was working his day-to-day job in the valley, he was directing people to God. When life didn't make sense, he's still showing people Jesus. When life didn't make sense to him, when his dreams hadn't come true, when he's laying here or working here in this prison, he's still saying, hey, I know somebody who can interpret dreams. You know what so many people do when they get into a valley? They get into a prison. I'm telling you, they're not directing anybody to God because they're mad at God. Because they, they're, they're bitter at God and they're angry towards Him because they just thought life was supposed to be like this. And instead of having an every opportunity of drawing somebody to God, what they do, they just they draw them to themselves and their awful, miserable, pitiful, terrible life. It's yeah. not what Joseph did. Yeah. Do you know while we're in our valley, while we're in, while we're in the life, in the valley that doesn't make sense, can I tell you we need to be about our Father's business? It's what Jesus was all the way to Calvary about his father's business. Every beating, every whipping, every nail, the crown of thorns, all of it about his father's business. Seeking those which are lost, coming to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus commanded us go into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen? I think that still applies today, right? He has commanded us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. The command to go does not, is, not excluded, is, is not excluded from the valley. It doesn't, doesn't, doesn't not apply to the valley. Oh, you're in the valley? Don't worry about the go. Just, you're okay. I know, poor thing. Yeah. You know what can make a valley happy? When somebody, what, when you bring somebody to Jesus, I'll tell you what, that'll make a happy valley. Absolutely will. 
The command to tell is not reserved for the mountaintop. Why? Because the lost don't live on the mountaintop. They live in the valley. Maybe God has you where he has you tonight because there's somebody that you need to reach where you're at in that valley that you don't understand. Whether it's at a job or a nursing home or somewhere else, who knows, or the people you deal with on a phone from a day-to-day basis. Oh, my, I got a, te- I got a, yeah, you talk about a valley, I got a call the other day. It was a, it was one of those telemarketing calls that they spoke English, so it was somewhere close, and, uh, and uh, they asked something about something I wanted, and I said, well, I said, well, I mean, if you were to die tonight, do you know what would happen to you? <laughs> the guy goes, huh. <sighs> I'm telling you, that was the quickest way to get him off. I said, and I, told, I said, you're going to die. What's going to happen when you die? He was done. He was done. It was wonderful. Even in that valley of a telemarketer, you can tell him about Jesus, right? And it gets him off the phone. But <laughs> Hey, I, you have no idea. I have no idea what that's, that one question. Friend, the Holy Spirit of God can bring that to his mind when he goes to bed one night. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. Well, Joseph worked in the valley. Never stopped witnessing. Never stopped. Probably one of the most helpful, powerful things I saw in my own life was a father who never changed even though a family fell apart. Even though somebody else, other people made bad decisions, right, and wrecked a lot of things. I'd see my dad as a kid out knocking doors, going to church. Never changed. Never changed. Yeah. No, that's what you do in a valley. That's what you do when life doesn't make sense. Yeah. He worked. He witnessed. Would you notice what else he did? This is so important. Look at verses, verse 20. Chapter 40, look at verse 20. And it came to pass the third day when the Pharaoh's birthday that he made a feast unto all his servants. And he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants, which Joseph told him, right? God gave him the interpretation of the dream. It happened exactly as God said. And he restored the chief butler under the butlership again, and he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker, and Joseph had interpreted, as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but he forgot him. And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river. Two years later, he's going to remember, oh yeah, (laughs) right? For two years, remember two years earlier, Joseph's been telling the butler, hey, don't forget me. Oh, thanks for interpreting the dream. You're welcome. Hey, don't forget me when you get out. Get me out of this place. I'm not supposed to be in here. Would you let the Pharaoh know what happened? Absolutely. Two years. Two years. He waited. He waited in that prison that he shouldn't have been in in the first place. And he's finally going to get called up. Two years. What was he doing? When life didn't make sense. What was he doing in his valley? What was he doing? He's waiting. He's working. He's witnessing. But he has no choice here. He's waiting. Can I tell you, if you, if you don't learn to wait on God, sometimes he orchestrates ways where we have to wait on God. Yeah. 
They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Right? Wait, I say, wait on the Lord. Jesus told the disciples, tarry ye in Jerusalem till ye be endued with power. God, listen, I'm telling you, God is about waiting. He's not nearly as much in a rush as we are. And here Joseph is waiting. Can I tell you from the authority of the word of God, God, listen, God knows what we're going through. He knows the prisons that you're in. He knows the valley that you're trudging through tonight. And can I tell you this? It's all, it is all within the plan of God. You said, he allowed this? Yes, he allowed it. He has to. You're telling me one thing can get past an omnipotent, immutable God? An, an omniscient God, one thing can get past him. He's like, whoa, okay. Wow, that was pretty good. That was quick. Well, too late now. Might as well let her go. We'll fix it on the back end. Yeah. One of the hardest things we have to do as a believer is wait. Yeah. Can I encourage you with a couple facts tonight? That Abraham waited 25 years for God's promise. That Joshua waited 40 years. Him and Caleb waited 40 years for God's promise. Yeah. David waited 14 years to, to, to ascend to the throne. Jesus waited 30 years on his ministry. Listen, if you're waiting tonight, you're in some real good company. Yeah. Wait on God. Wait on Him. In our text here tonight, Joseph is going to wait 13 years before being brought out of the valley and put where God called him to be from the beginning. Joseph didn't know that's where God wanted him. Yeah. He looks back later in life and says, wow, he was there all, I guess he was there the whole time. He worked, he witnessed, he waited. How could Joseph do this? You know what I love what God does while we're working, while we're witnessing, while we're waiting on Him, trying to figure out, how, trying to make sense of what is going on around us. You know what I love about God, what He does? In Genesis in 39, verses 21 through 23, we see these phrases in verses, three of them are in verse 21. God was with Joseph. God showed mercy unto Joseph, and God gave favor to Joseph. Verse 23, we see here that God caused all that Joseph did to prosper. These were little personal evidences that God was in this. Yeah. God gave little evidences in the prospering and all of these things that He was in it. You know how we're able to get through our valley? You know how we're able to get through those times where it just doesn't seem to make sense? Really, it's the very same way Joseph did. God is with us. God delights in mercy. Wait, hold on a minute. He said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. What does that mean? It means whatever, whatever, whatever you're going through tonight, whatever part of life doesn't make sense, whatever valley you are going through, God is there. David said, if I, if I uh, take the, the, the wings of the morning and you know, take flight, he says, thou art with me. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. He says, whither shall I flee from thy presence? He says, I cannot get away from God. You cannot. And he said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Whatever, wherever you are tonight, God is there. 
He absolutely is. Well, how do you know that? Well, hello, he lives in you. <laughs> right? And so if he lives in you, whatever's going on around you, he's there. He's there. You know, sometimes we say these little terms that God is, God, God is with you, and we just don't even stop and think about the, the gravity and the depth and the reality of those statements. He's right in the middle of it all, just as he's just in the middle of the Hebrew children in that fiery furnace. He's right there, and he's not leaving. He delights in mercy, one of my favorite, favorite verses in the Bible. The Bible says that he del- God delighteth in mercy. Think about the things you delight in tonight. How many delight in ice cream? How many just delight in food? Amen. I knew Martin would. I picture one out there. Yeah. I mean, think, no, uh, think of what you really delight in. Think of what, what I, I mean, if you're having a bad day, this is your go-to to make you feel better, right? God delights in mercy. Boy, that's reassuring. That's a comfort. God causes people to favor us. Talked to the landlord yesterday of this place and, uh, and uh, gave him an update of where we are. And I said, well, if we make, need to make some other arrangements, just let us know. It's not a problem. He says, oh, no, 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 no. You're, you're not going anywhere. Amen. Praise the Lord. See, if you're walking in the Spirit, listen, you're going to catch these little tokens of, of God's presence. You'll catch them. You'll see them there. He'll cause all that we do to prosper. In a valley? Yes. Doesn't look like it. It is. It is. Yeah. This is how he did it. This is how he did it. He just kept, he just worked. Kept telling people about God. Right, just waited, waited on God. How would you let him know? Well, what did he do for the two years while they forgot to let him know? They just waited and wait, worked and witnessed, worked and witnessed, worked and witnessed. Yeah. I don't know where you are tonight. If you're at a place that doesn't make sense, but it's in the valley that God molds us to fulfill His calling. And sometimes you need to get rid of these ideas of grandeur, what the calling of God looks like. I mean, you know, you hear preaching, you know, that God calls, and there's just magnificent, miraculous things. And, there, and those are a part of it, don't get me wrong. But my goodness, so much God does is just in the hidden, unseen areas of people's lives. Yeah. Chambers says, the height of the mountaintop is measure, measured by the dismal drudgery of the valley. The height of the mountaintop is measured by the dismal drudgery of the valley. I forget the name of the mountain, but if you go to, the, if you go to uh, California, the, one of the highest peaks uh, is right in front of uh, Death Valley, at one of the lowest places, 282 feet below sea level, I believe it is. And, but there's a mountain peak there that's one of the higher peaks, uh, I believe it is, yeah, maybe in, in California. But there, I know that there's a vast, vast difference between the top of that mountain and then as you come down into Death Valley from what I read. I've never been through there. I really want to. But I haven't yet. In the middle of the summer, I want to see it in all of its glory. 
but the, hi- the height of the mountaintop, Chambers says, is measuring the drudgery of the valley, but it is in the valley that we have to live for the glory of God. We see His glory, he says, we see His glory on the mountain, but we never live for His glory there. It is in the place of humiliation that we find our true worth to God. That is where our faithfulness is revealed, in the valley. You in a valley tonight, in somewhere that doesn't make sense? Would you just wait on God? Would you just continue to draw people to Jesus Christ? Right? Would you just do the work that God has called you to do? Would you just continue on? And then finally, let me say this. To Crimson Avenue Baptist Church, God puts churches through times that don't make sense as well. Yeah. Like waiting. Rain? This much rain in May? Do you, think, do you not think God knew that there was going to be this much rain in May? Well, yeah, you know the saying, May showers, nope, that's not how it goes, April showers. But we had April drought brought May showers. And praise the Lord for the rain. Yeah. Every time I get a little sideways, I think, Lord, I'd love it to dry up, but Lord, I'm so thankful that these farmers that are trying to make a living have a good amount of rain. Amen. Yeah. God is going to put us through times that don't make sense. He's going to use methods that don't make sense. He's going to do things that don't make sense. What do we do in the meantime? Well, I don't know. Work. (laughs) Witness. Wait on God. Just do what He called us to do. Can I sum it up in one phrase? Yeah. Trust Him. Trust Him. What does it mean? You're, what does it look like when you're trusting him? I don't know. Go to work. Witness. Wait. Yeah. I gave you three W's. Pretty enough. Yeah. Hey, if God before us, who can be against us? <laughs> Grab a hold of that one, friend. If God before us, who can be against us? Yeah. Trust him tonight. Life's not making sense right now. Just trust Him. Trust Him. Our Father, thank You tonight. Thank You for the great reminder. Thank You for great encouragement for us individually and for us as a church as we move forward. And what You've called us to do, Your hand has been manifestly evident and, and where we are and the direction we're going and, and, and the purpose that you have here. We, may not, we obviously don't see all of it, but we have a direction and we know what, you're, what uh, you are doing here. And, and uh, there are going to be many more times that we just don't understand what's going on where some things just don't make sense. Father, would you help us and remind us tonight it's in these times that we just need to get back to work and just draw people to the Lord Jesus Christ, hand out tracts and pray and ask you for laborers and get out and just do the work and then just wait on you. Wait on you. Trust you. Would you help us to do that tonight? In every aspect of our life and every aspect of this church, would you help us to do that? And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me if you would, please. And the instrument will play. If the Lord has spoken to you tonight, would you respond to Him? Are you waiting well? Some people wait and whine. 
We need to wait well. Some people wait and worry. <laughs> yeah. Fred and wring their hands, complain, get bitter. I think we have enough scriptural evidence that God is in the middle of it all and He has a plan for it. Thank the Lord for a good day today. And uh, this Tuesday is men's prayer breakfast at the Big Biscuit. Uh, Brother Rick Tony will be bringing the devotion this this, uh, this Tuesday, so we're looking forward to that. And um, I had to fire Jim. I told him, you're done. Out of here. And uh, no, <laughs> I'm just And uh, he just up and quit on me. That's really what happened. But uh, I'm just... 